Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to have you with me tonight. This is Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church. Uh, I just realized I didn't put out a advertisement for tonight's video, so uh, probably not going to be a lot joining me right now, but they'll come along as we get into our lesson tonight. Uh, I want to talk to you tonight about a couple stars. We've been hearing a lot of different things about this Christmas star and the Bethlehem star and I did a pretty thorough teaching on a Sunday but I want to talk to you a little bit more about it tonight most of, uh, of it is going to be a lot of review from Sunday and then I want to get into a couple other aspects of the Bethlehem star or the star of Bethlehem but have you ever heard the phrase starstruck uh, that's someone that's fascinated and greatly impressed by famous people and usually in the entertainment industry. Sometimes this could be a sports star like Michael Jordan or LeBron James or something like that, but I used to be a big fan of sports, not so much anymore, especially since it's got so politicized lately, but uh, even back then when I was a big fan, I never been starstruck. Uh, I was impressed by a lot of the stars and some of their stats and things, but never got to the place where I was uh, starstruck. But the star I want to talk to you about tonight is uh, from God's Word. And uh, this is a star that's more spectacular and more fascinating than any earthly star you could ever name. And this star wasn't created for earthly entertainment, although it can be entertaining when we look for it and, and watch it. But it was created for a divine purpose. It was a plan of God. And it was a plan that was connected to the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And the star I want to talk about is what we talked about Sunday, the Bethlehem star or the star of Bethlehem. And uh, I want to look at it from a different angle. But let's open up in Matthew, the second chapter, just like we did Sunday. Verse 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He probably thought there was a king going to take his place. That's why he was so disturbed. But when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Uh, the incense, of course, we know was frankincense. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the Magi mentioned it to King Herod, and it aroused his interest because he asked the Magi about the time of the star's appearing. And verse 9 tells us that the star rested over the place where the Christ child could be found. And one of the first things I want you to do is the same thing I did on Sunday morning, uh, and that is talk about the Bethlehem star and the Christmas star. Uh, the, the one that we just seen Monday night. And uh, I know this is going to upset a lot of people, but we have to tell the truth here. The Christmas star and the Bethlehem star, as I said Sunday, are not the same star. Now, I looked at the star uh, Monday night, and I could see it, but I wasn't real impressed by it. I'm sure it was bright in some, some other areas, but we had clear skies and everything. And uh, although it was brighter than the stars around it, it was not anything spectacular, nothing like the Bethlehem star. But we can't confuse the star of Bethlehem with the so-called Christmas star because, like I said, they're not the same. Uh, they are a conjunction of planets, and that's what makes the, the light so bright that we call a star, but it's just not the same planets that align. A conjunction happens when planets appear incredibly close to one another in the sky, and because they line up with the Earth in their respective orbits, it causes them to appear to be one big bright light for a moment uh, while they're aligned. And of course, they eventually move out of alignment and they return back to their normal lights. But it's a light that we call a star. And Saturn and Jupiter was closely aligned Monday night, and they appeared as a bright star in the southwest sky. And that was called the Christmas star. And I'll agree with that. It was the Christmas star. And a lot of people were calling it the Bethlehem star. And they truly believed that. And uh, that's why I know somebody's going to get upset at this. But we have to stay with the truth because there's a big significant difference between the two stars. Uh, I don't know if there's any, I don't know, spiritual significance to the Christmas star. But there certainly is with the star of Bethlehem. Uh, it's, it wasn't the same conjunction of planets, as I said, but the star of Bethlehem, uh, in the two times that it appeared, it appeared in the eastern sky, and the Christmas star appeared in the southwest horizon. So that's one significant difference right there. And the first time the star of Bethlehem appeared was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. And then the second time it appeared was on June, June the 15th, of 2015, just about six years ago, five and a half years ago. And uh, so the first time it appeared, it appeared over Bethlehem in the eastern sky, and it pointed to where the Christ child was born, and that's why it was later named the Star of Bethlehem, because he was born in Bethlehem. And the purpose of the star was to announce the birth, uh, or the first coming, the arrival of the Son of God to earth. And the Bible prophesied that the Lord would come to this earth twice. The first time he would come to save the world, and the second time he would come to judge the world. And what's amazing is the Bethlehem star was given as a sign with both comings. And I know the second coming hasn't occurred yet, 
but it's prophetic of the second coming. And you'll see why in a second here. So the first time the star announced to the world that the Christ was being born, and then the star guided the three magi into the presence of the Lord. And the first time it appeared, God arranged for a cosmic conjunction of the planets, Venus, Jupiter, and a bright star called Regulus. And uh, they align within one degree of one another. So you can just imagine once they come into alignment with the earth, how bright that star was. It was amazing. And uh, just like the one in 2015, I didn't get to see it because it was cloudy that night. But uh, you would have been able to tell the difference very easily between the Bethlehem star and the Christmas star. But the combi combined brightness of the three heavenly bodies made a light so bright that it created the first recorded Bethlehem star. And the conjunction took place in the constellation Virgo. And the planets, Venus, Jupiter, and the star Regulus, in conjunction, they shine brighter than any other star in the sky, past, present, and I believe to be future, even brighter than the Christmas star. And the first appearance of the star heralded the Lord's birth. And that's what we're celebrating this week. We're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's uh, his birthday, or at least we celebrate it on the 25th of December. But this same cosmic conjunction occurred again in June of 2015 for the first time since it appeared 2,000 years ago at the birth of Christ. But there is a prophetic significance to the return of the star of Bethlehem, particularly as we look at its timing with the tetrad of the four blood moons that we had in the same time period. And it's not just the fact that blood moons are rare. As a matter of fact, They've only occurred 10 times since the birth of Christ. And these blood red moons that we witnessed on, in uh, uh, 2014, and the, or the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, about the time of the uh, Bethlehem star, uh, they all occurred on significant Jewish holidays like Passover and Tabernacles. And uh, as a result, a lot of people are looking at that star in 2015, the conjunction of the planets that made up that star, as a prophetic sign of Christ's return. Uh, however, there's one element that makes this most recent conjunction of the planets in 2015 uh, unique, as well as further tying it to the original star of Bethlehem. This time, although everything else was identical, Venus, Jupiter, and Regulus aligned, uh, just as the first time, except this time, the, uh, the last appearance in 2015, it appeared in a different constellation. Now, this is very abnormal. This doesn't usually happen. But how many knows God can do anything in the heavenlies? He, he, owned, he owns them. He hung every star. He hung the moon. He hung the sun. He did it all. That's his. So he can do whatever he wants with it. So the first time it appeared... It appeared at the birth of Christ, and it appeared in the constellation Virgo, which means virgin maiden. And the last time it appeared, it, it appeared in the constellation Leo, which means lion, and that's what makes the second appearance so significant and unique. The Bethlehem star appeared the first time in the constellation Virgo, pointing to the birth of Christ through a virgin maiden by the name of Mary. And then in June of 2015, the star appeared for the second time, but this time it appeared in the constellation Leo, like I said, the lion pointing to Christ's imminent return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
So it's still a prophetic uh, happening. It's still something that's going to happen in the future, but it's imminent. It is going to happen. And this is the way God communicates with us in signs and wonders and signs in the heavens. And he is, he is re reorchestrating things in the heavens just to give us a heads up. He says, hey, I, I brought this star to the earth and let you see it when my son was born. I'm bringing it now to give you a warning that my son is coming back real soon and we need to be ready for it. So God speaks to us in the heavenlies. And a lot of people cast this off as coincidence. But if you think about it for a minute, it would be silly to do something like that because this is in no way, any possible way could this be a coincidence. God has given us signs in the heavens that pointed to his only son coming to earth the first time to save the world. And he gave us a sign showing us that he's coming back again soon and he will judge the world this time. And both times the star of Bethlehem appeared, it appeared in the eastern sky, which is significant because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shines even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's telling us where to fix our eyes. You know, uh, it was nice we fixed them on the southwest horizon uh, Monday to see the Christmas star, but that's not where we should have our focus. We should have our focus in the eastern sky because that's where he's going to return from. That's where the Bethlehem star appeared, and it appeared in the constellation Leo for Lion, Lion of the tribe of Judah. So what's the difference between the two stars, the Bethlehem and the Christmas star? Well, the Bethlehem star, like we said, is Venus, Jupiter, and the star Regulus, and it appears in the eastern sky both times. The Christmas star was a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, and at least this time it appeared in the southwest sky, uh, and there's a big difference. And uh, I don't know about the last appearance. I heard it was some 800 years ago, and I don't know if it was the same scenario, the southwest uh, horizon or not. But I know it was this time because I used my compass to locate it. So some, some people say that God hung this star in the sky as the first Christmas ornament. And uh, the Bible doesn't bear that out, but it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? God hung the first Christmas ornament for the birth of his son. But in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 39th through the 41, 41st verse, the Apostle Paul is talking about the resurrection of the body. And he says there's different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. I know it seems like I jumped off subject, but I didn't. Because then he said there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ each other in their glory. So one earthly body will differ in glory than another earthly body. Whether it's human, animal, bird, or fish, we're not all the same. The animals aren't all the same. They could be the same species, but there ain't two alike. Just like there's no two humans exactly alike. In other words, we're not all going to be stamped out of some kind of cookie cutter uh, mentality in eternity. And some will have more authority than others. That's the stars that differ in glory. Some will have more glory than others. And it's talking about authority 
uh, and position in in the kingdom. We're not all going to live in condos at the end of Glory Street or something like that, and everybody's rewarded the same. That's not how it works. They'll be differing in glory, and all the heavenly bodies differ in glory as well. Uh, of the billions and trillions of stars and the galaxies and Milky Ways and all that, there's no two stars alike, just like there's no two snowflakes alike. They all differ in glory. Psalms 19 says, uh, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. That's Psalms 119 verses 1 through 4. So this star of Bethlehem being the brightest of stars, if you, if you will, if we call it a star, it shows forth the glory of God. And even though we didn't hear a voice, it has certainly spoke to us both times that it appeared. The star certainly speaks of God's glory because he hung it there. He arranged those planets to align within one degree of each other. And he put them in the proper constellations both times that they aligned. And I can see why some would think it's, it's God's first Christmas ornament, because if you think about it for a minute, one of the main characteristics of Christmas ornaments that people really like is the fact that they shine so well and uh, they're colorful. And I find that a lot of people are especially fond of Christmas ornaments that are shiny like that because they reflect the light and they really look beautiful when, you know, the heat comes on and the, the tree is stirring a little bit, the tinsel is flowing and sometimes the ornament will move a little bit and catch the light and it sparkles and it's like, you know, ooh, look at that. And that's kind of how uh, the stars are because they sparkle the same way. Uh, uh, and in the case of planets aligning, it's a reflection of the sun that causes them to shine. But actual stars don't uh, reflect light. They are actually exploding and producing their own light. But the star of Beth Bethlehem certainly reflects God's light and God's glory. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love looking at the stars. Now, out here in Taylorsville, you can see a few more stars than you can in Louisville. But uh, nothing like it used to be. I mean, they're, they're flooded out with fog and mist and clouds and uh, pollution and all kinds of stuff. You don't get the stars like we used to, but I remember as a kid going fishing in certain places and uh, laying on the ground at night and just looking up and it was like the whole, sky, the whole sky was covered with stars. They were just beautiful. But I don't see that anymore, but I catch a few stars every now and then when I take the dog out at night. And it's not only cool to see the stars shining brightly, but it's also cool knowing that God hung every new one of them, knows exactly where they are. And all throughout the Bible, we find that light is associated with God's glory. And when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he shined as bright as the noonday sun, the Bible says. And uh, when he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transfigured. He shone so bright that the disciples couldn't hardly look at him. And when Moses come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, where he had spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, his face shone so brightly that it frightened the Israelites, and they asked him to cover his face because they were afraid. And then when the angels delivered the message of Christ's birth to those shepherds out in that field that night, 
the first Christmas, it was accompanied by, by God's glory because the Bible says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, the shepherds, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. I don't know why light scares people. You'd think that darkness would scare them a little more than light, but sometimes I guess if it's bright enough, it will terrify you. But there's no mistake in the glory of God is associated with light in the scriptures, for even Jesus is called the bright and morning star in Revelation. And God, his glory, his light, it's always consistent throughout the scriptures and very much present both appearances of, in both appearances of the Bethlehem star. And that's what I'm referring it to. I didn't go off track. We're still talking about the star here. But in Colossians 1.27, God wants his children to shine as well. And Paul said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the glory of God is in us. Christ is, if Christ is in you, the glory of God is in you. The light of God is in you. And we've been studying on the believer's authority on Wednesday nights for the last couple of weeks. And the prayer that Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 1 includes much of the same. He says that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He wants us to know what this glory is like. He wants us to know that that glory is in us. And he wants us to walk in his glory. He wants us to shine. Numbers 14, 21 says this, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory, the light of the Lord. And how is that going to happen? It's going to happen by you getting born again, the light entering you, the glory of God entering you, and we go all over the earth spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's how the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. And so that's what he's waiting for uh, to happen in these last days. He's waiting for the glory of the Lord to fill the earth Get the gospel preached. Get everybody saved that's going to get saved so that Jesus can come back. And, uh, and we have to ask ourselves if we're allowing God's glory to shine through us uh, because God wants to use us as instruments of his glory. I mean, that's the way he gets his glory exposed in the earth and his grace in the earth. And But in order for us to do that, we have to be surrendered to his will, and uh, that will make it possible for us to let that light shine. You know, he said, let your light so shine among men that they may uh, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the Bethlehem star not only spoke of God's glory, but it also speaks of his guidance. And the three wise men let that star guide them into the presence of the Lord. So the glory of God, the, the light of God, the revelation of God will, will guide you into Jesus's presence. And Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. And then he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, the glory of God. And that's God's guidance. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we really following God? Are we following Jesus? Uh, you know, the Bible says in Psalms 119 that the word of God is a guiding light. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. 
And so it gives us guidance. And it might have been the star that guided the Magi to the presence of the Lord, but it was the word that guided them to the star that guided them to the presence of the Lord. Uh, they knew in Numbers 24, 17, the prophecy says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he is not near. A star, a star shall come forth out of Jacob and a scepter uh, shall rise out of Israel. So the Magi were alerted to the fact that a star was coming out of uh, Israel, coming out of Jacob. And so they began to look for that star because they believed the word. And that star not only represented God's glory, but it also represented God's guidance into the presence of that glory. So the Magi were men obviously acquainted with the Messianic prophecies, and which by this time had reached the faraway places where they lived, and they had faith in them because it was faith that got them to leave their homes and travel for as long as they traveled. Some say it was up to two years before they come to where the Christ child was. And so they're obviously men who knew something about the word and the prophecies contained in it. And they had to have faith in it. And they allowed God to guide them, just like Abraham did. You know, uh, Abraham is called the father of faith for a reason. You know, God told Abraham, go. That's all he told him. He says, go. Uh, where? Go. Uh, what should I take with me? Go. That's all he got was go. And a lot of times that's all we get until we take the step. And then God will give us another step. And then another step until we finally get to our journey. And so that's how it was with the Magi. They seen the star in the word. They looked for it in the sky. And when they seen it, they let it guide them into the presence of the Christ child. So they surrendered whatever their personal plans were just to be a part of God's plan. And sometimes that's what we have to do. You know, it's not so much we want, it's what God wants. And when we realize what God's will is, and even if it differs from our will, we should follow God's will because that's where the blessings are. And so the Magi followed the word to the star and then they followed the star into the presence of God. And God's guidance is the greatest gift that would ever be given to the earth because that led them to the, to the Lord, uh, to that gift. And I'm sure it wasn't easy either. They sacrificed their time, their energy, their personal uh, resources to make, to make their way to where the Christ child was just so they could worship him. That says a lot about making it to church on a Sunday morning. You know, I mean, these guys give up everything to follow and worship Christ. And uh, sometimes we can't get out of the bed to make it to church to worship him. But anyway, uh, sometimes we have to overcome some things to do, to do God's will. And we have to overcome some things to get to the place where we worship him. We have to overcome some things to take time out for prayer. We have to overcome some things to spend time in the word of God and studying it. So uh, it's not always going to be easy. But here's some men, the Magi, who must have been of some status in the world uh, because they obviously came up with these elaborate, expensive gifts. And so they must have had some substance to them. But they laid it all down and they headed, uh, followed the star and headed to, to see where the star would take them. And the word will guide you anywhere you need to go because it's just like the star of Bethlehem. It's a guide. 
It will guide you to salvation. It will guide you to healing. It will guide you to prosperity. It will guide you to peace and joy. It will guide you to whatever you need. You can find it in the word and it will be your guiding light, the light light of your path. And so uh, it will be your guiding light to all the promises of God. Amen. And so there was a gift exchange that night. The Magi gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which wasn't too shabby. Like I said, they were gifts that were fit or worthy of a king or fit for a king, so they had to be pretty expensive. I don't know the exact amount of each one of the gifts, but uh, it wasn't a very cheap gift at all. But compared to God's gift, it didn't count at all. The gift of his only son. I mean, uh, how could you compare that to what the kings give. How can you compare what God gave to us to what we could give to him? And I, you know, I'm not down anybody for uh, not being in the service of the Lord or anything like that. I mean, we all have our ways of serving, but don't ever think it's too much of a sacrifice because it's not. Compared to what he sacrificed for us, there, there's nothing we could do to compare to that. And there's more to Christmas than a nicely wrapped box with a bow on it or a, uh, a gift bag. And no matter how expensive or valuable it is, it's not going to last. Uh, moth and rust is going to co- corrupt it. But the gift of God is a gift that never ends. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And so this is what God gave us on that day 2,000 plus years ago in, in Bethlehem. I started to say on the 25th of December, but I don't know what the exact date is. That's the day we celebrated, but uh, just for the sake of argument, we'll say it's the 25th of December. That's exactly what God gave us. He gave us a gift that keeps on giving. He gave us an unselfish gift, and uh, no matter what we need, that gift is always there, and it's always producing for us. And so how could we give anything to compare to that? Hallelujah. Well, it's 629. I made it tonight. It's the first time I made 30 minutes. So I thank the Lord for that. But let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you as we celebrate the precious gift that you sent to us on the, on the day in December or whatever day it was in the little town of Bethlehem, born of a virgin. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We call him our Lord, our salvation, our healer, our prosperer, He's the great I am, everything that we need, he is. And so we thank you and praise you for such a wonderful gift. We give you glory and honor for it. And God, we ask you to help us to let our light shine in this dark world, that we may lead and guide people into the presence of the Lord, get people saved, get people healed, get them back in relationship. And we thank you and praise you, Lord, that this coming year, although we're not there yet, but this coming year is going to be a a new year for us, and it's going to be a new year in more ways than we can count. We're coming out of this thing that we have went through in 2020, and we never want to have another year like this, but we're coming out in 2020, and 2021 is going to be a year of new beginnings. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord, that we're going to walk into that like, we, like we're walking into the promised land, and we're going to start prospering in the things of God and walking out his word and letting the word guide us in everything that we say and do in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Well, we appreciate you. Uh, uh, We pray that you have a wonderful and a Merry Christmas. And we pray that you get to spend time with family and that you be blessed in the presence of the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. 
this concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.